Hey, the girl with the dancing skates, but how can you do ballet on skates? <laughs> Ridiculous. Kathy Clown, fuck you! This <laughs> 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 still ends up being about running! It's still running. Listening to extra credit, the internet and the comics world isn't helping. The snakes in the ball pit tonight are Frank West, almost human. Xenia is an alien who looks entirely human. As her planet is dying from lack in water, her father and mother take her for a picnic on Earth and then leave her there with a communication pendant so that they can stay in contact with her. They think she will do well on Earth because she is stronger, faster, and more intelligent than humans are, but what they don't know is that her alien life force is too strong for Earth life, and anything that she touches will be zapped stone dead. Then, a lightning strike hits her and drains enough of her life force that she no longer kills Earth creatures with her lightest touch, but her vital energies ebb lower and lower until she is herself at death's door. Jesus. There's a lot going in that one. Other voice. Curtain of Silence. Cycling star Yvonne Beeridge thinks of nothing but winning until the day she becomes mute and a prisoner in an Iron Curtain country. She is forced to cycle for the country under another identity, not of a lookalike who drowned, but is determined to escape. <laughs> and, Jesus. and Shell Game Dragonacre. The environment of Dragonacre is threatened when Mr. Barker wants to buy it for development. To save it, Carrie Ward and her friends have to find 2,000 pounds. It is then that they discover that the legend of real dragons at Dragonacre was not just a legend. <gasps> dragons! Oh. I bet the rest of this episode is mostly about dragons. Woo! Hi, Extra Credit. Hi, show. What? And why is everyone else? Well, I mean, it's you. And me, and uh, other voice. Uh, oh yeah, I'm over here. You probably didn't see me. I forget what I sounded like last time we did this bit. <laughs> other, other voice. You, you're still worried about being good at bits. Ah, uh, you're right. I shouldn't be. Not on this show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to you, Frank. <sighs> so, <laughs> but where is everybody else? Why? They are not present in the place that we are, which is the same place. Mm -hmm. If they had been present in the same identical location, then perhaps they'd be here. Mm. But they're not. They're not here, though. No. Somewhere else. No. They're lost. Mm -hmm. But uh, t today, though, we have, a, um, we have a topic that we just have to record. Mm -hmm. We might have stumbled across it. I don't remember how. <laughs> I, I I think we were talking about comics, and then you just sort of you just sort of like casually brought up the fact that British comic serials and so forth used to be called things like mm -hmm. Eagle and and Action War and yeah, they used to be Biff of the Bear. <laughs> we used to be, they used to be British comics weren't just superhero stuff. They just would sort of collect everything together and stuff that was like 2000 AD or. Eagle or the Beano. <laughs> um, All of real course, names. B Biffo the Bear being the mascot. 
We're gonna we're gonna have to put this picture in the fucking episode. Uh-huh, if it's not the art, like you gotta see you gotta see Biff. You gotta see Biff of the Bear. If for whatever reason alarm, you right? if you for whatever reason Biff of the Bear isn't anywhere to be found, <laughs> look up Biff of the Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the process of doing that, we found um, a line. Oh, another thing about these comics is that they would often just amalgamate once they weren't popular enough. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, because uh, at, at first they, you know, everybody had one. You had your you had your Mandy's and you had your Nancy's and mm-hmm. you had your Nicky's and you had your Ruby Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. And they would all they would all like have their own collections of stories mm-hmm. that were all held by individual companies who would eventually go under. And... Yeah, they're all the same company. There's like only a small handful of companies that are publishing these. Oh, that's and, how they Oh, okay, yeah. Well, you know, you really should be the one to explain Probably. this. You're the expert here. Apparently. I read a post once about it, so I'm an expert. I'm sure some of our fans in Britain are like, ugh, he doesn't know about Biffo the Bear. Or the Four Marys. <laughs> we found a comic called Bunty, which, of course, is an amalgamation of the original Bunty line, but also Susie, Nikki for Girls, and Mandy and Judy, which is, of course, also an amalgamation of Mandy and Judy. Right, right. Boy, they just eat each other. As far as I can tell, everything eventually became 2000 AD or Eagle. <laughs> it just kept eating each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is also where uh, the UK gets its uh, predilection for vor. <laughs> um, but what we found is that a couple of these girls' comics have pretty extensive lists on Wikipedia. So thank you, Wikipedia Ender, for sending sending up this doc for us. Um, no, I will not look up who you are. Sorry. <laughs> but. Uh... Boy, some of these comics. Yeah, no, we are we are going to be going down a list of the uh, regular and recurring and occasional stories, mm-hmm. uh, comic stories that would, were to be found in the comic Bunty, and also the comic Mandy. We will be looking into Mandy. Yes, uh, we might wander out of bounds a little bit, but the content, the confines. I might just all tap back to look at Biffo the Bear. <laughs> The confines of our of this of this episode are going to be Bunty and Mandy for yes. the most part. Um, so, uh, Frank, mm-hmm. do you oh, want me. to start with the Four Marys? It's one of the regular mm-hmm. stories in Bunty. Yeah, so Bunty has just like a, a list of the longer running, really popular ones that are like five or six. Right, or... and this will give us a good. <clears throat> uh, foundational understanding Mm -hmm. of uh these british comics yes the four marys was the longest story the comic ran it appeared from its drawn by artist barry mitchell it appeared from its creation in 1958 to its end in 2001 these marys are grown up (laughs) these marys are these marys have had an opportunity to start families Mm -hmm. and uh have their children start families when the strip started, public boarding schools like St. Elmo's, the girls' boarding school, were common, but as time went on, they became less extensible to Bunty's general audience. So it just turns into a time capsule where they're still writing about, like, 1960s boarding schools. Mm-hmm. Oh. I don't get it, Mommy. <laughs> Shut up and read your Bunty! <laughs> Bunty was good enough for me! <laughs> It centered on four young teenagers who lived in a girls-only boarding school in Elmbury, 
and often had problems with studying, being bored, or helping, and being hindered by the other girls or teachers within the school. Ugh. Of the four main characters, two were middle class, one was the aristocratic daughter of an earl, and one was a working class <gasps> girl, attending the school on a scholarship. Oh, gross. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, no, there's an important line oh, at the end there. The representation of the working class was a reflection of the changing class experiences in the 1950s. That's right, they had finally invented the working class mm -hmm. in the 1950s. Before it was just earls and... Property owners and the queen. <laughs> sure. uh, another another common one of uh, uh, common feature of Bunty was Bunty, a girl like you. A girl like you. It's a girl like me. Like you specifically. Mm -hmm. A one-page feature included a short comic strip about the comic's namesake, a blonde girl called Bunty, and her friends Heya and Payal. The strip was so short it could it usually could not convey more than a quick joke. Mostly about normal teenage girl subjects like boys, family, or school. Oh my god. Girls love all of those. Boys. <laughs> How about you, um, oh, uh, I think There's it's, a, I, I yeah. actually think it is important to go through the dancing life of Moira Kent. It's going to, uh, it's going to illuminate oh, a certain yes. subgenre of yes. stories okay. that we will be running yeah. into. Yeah, for the most part, the, the, like, long runners were the more normal ones, it seems, but, uh, there is Moira Kent. The Dancing Life of Moira Kent, the story of an aspiring ballerina, appeared in the first issue of Bunty, and Moira Kent was a regular feature for many years, the character eventually achieving international stardom. Whether that's in the universe of the comic or out I is unclear. <laughs> unclear. When the Moira Kent storyline was discontinued, it was replaced with Lorna Drake, also about a ballet dancer, who attended the Thelma Main Dancing School. Thelma having been a ballerina herself before an accident prevented her from ever dancing again. This accident was caused by Lorna's father, also a ballet dancer, who was going blind when he let Thelma Main fall during a performance, thus crippling her. <laughs> Jesus! However, Mora still appeared in the annuals where she had opened her own ballet school. Did she cripple anybody and make them, make them incapable of dancing again for the rest uh... of their lives? You'd have to read the annuals to find out. We only get little teasers. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, they, yeah, they also have, like, Love Lisa the Comp and Penny's mm -hmm. Place, and those are all, uh, Penny's Place, be, of course, beginning in M and J, Mandy and Judy, which is the amalgamation of the comic Mandy and Judy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Bunty took it in mm -hmm. under its wings. Oh, come along here. Oh, no, Eagle! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but um, really the the meat of this this page and mm -hmm. what really has us going here is uh, the other strips, the either infrequent or lesser known comics uh, that that had stories within Aww. these um, weekly periodicals. Um, so I guess without further ado. Yeah, we'll just be picking and choosing mm -hmm. from this list as we scroll down it. Uh. Of course, there is a bed called Fred. <laughs> right at the start, a girl is pushing a four-poster bed named Fred all the way from John O'Groats to Land's End. And that's just a comic. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh. Oh. Oh, a doll called Dinky-Doo. <laughs> Dinky-Doe. 
The story of a doll with a defect searching for a home, <laughs> told from the doll's point of view. Oh, is there a new... Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds like someone needs a new life. Mm, a new life for Lily. <gasps> oh! In Victorian times, Polly Bond leaves her sister Lily on the doorstep to be taken in by a wealthy family. Returning to the household as a servant some years later, Polly is horrified to see her sweet sister is now selfish and spoilt. <gasps> Not spoilt! No. <laughs> a pet for Peggy. Peggy North would love to have a dog of her own, and her friend enters her into a competition where she wins a puppy. <gasps> but the new housing manager is strict on the no pets policy. <laughs> Period. A school of her own. Vrona Starr has been expelled from many schools, so to make sure she gets an education, her father buys Pinehurst School, where Rona will be the only pupil. I don't think it works like that. So relatable. <laughs> uh, Abracadabra Academy. <laughs> Jamara Jones comes from a line of witches. She wants to be an ordinary girl, not least of which because her spells keep going wrong, with hilarious results. But Jamara's mother wants Jamara to follow in the family tradition and sends her to Abracadabra Academy, a school for witchcraft. I already like it better than a couple of the other ones I could think of. Mm. <laughs> uh, what happens when you graduate from Abracadabra Academy? Abracadabra! <gasps> Stacy Green's father is a very good stage magician, but when his wife is injured in a trick which went wrong, he stops performing. <laughs> so- Stacy and her mother want him to return to the stage and to try and encourage him. Stacy puts together an act herself. And gets injured by her father. <laughs> Who is blind or something. <laughs> oh. Amazing Grace, gymnast of the future. Circus girl Grace Connor has her heart set on being a gymnast, but her father keeps pushing her into being a trapeze artist. <laughs> Believing that a gymnastics career will not make her money. Can she change his mind? An athlete she must be. Ellen Perkins tries to turn her guzzling sister into an athlete. Guzzling? Guzzling. I mean, these must be taken... Did the Wikipedia editor write these up themselves? Surely not. These are copied from somewhere. Right? Uh, Yeah. Because no one says... Guzzling in 2022. Well, I don't know. A granny came to. <laughs> Morag McDonald lives on an island in the Hebrides with her grandmother. She wants to be a gymnast and has to teach herself from a library book as there are no gymnastics facilities available. When Morag returns a valuable wallet to its owner, he rewards her with a place at his gymnastics school where he is principal. But Granny insists on coming too, and this is causing problems at Morag's new school. Is she attending as a student? Is Granny like, well, I want to get my gymnastics on too. (laughs) Oh, Granny, oh, she's all over the pommel horse. Oh. (laughs) Oh, she's on the rings. She's doing a great job on the rings. Come on, Granny, you're showing us up. Oh, the uneven bars. (laughs) Backstreet Hospital. When nurse Mary Tavers... Sorry. When nurse Mary Tavers returns from the Crimean War, she sets up her own hospital for needy children, helped by Lisa Parkin. Oh, thank Lisa Parkin. Who are you? 
I, I'm helping. Oh! Backstreet Ballerina. Barbara Taylor runs ballet lessons in the East End of London in a converted stable. She takes in Jessie Tandy, a problem girl on the brink of being sent to approved school. <laughs> in hope that ballet will tame her as ballet is one thing that Jessie loves. But the girls are not friendly to Jessie because their parents have forbidden it. They've forbidden them to be friendly <laughs> to a child. And this is making Jessie aggressive again. <laughs> Jessie uh, uh, starts every day just kind of knocking one of the children out. <laughs> Balloon of doom. Oh no! <laughs> Catherine Williams is not happy when her younger sister Sarah brings home a sinister looking balloon. She suspects that the balloon also has something to do with the violent weather and destruction that has been happening in the town. Oh no, chemtrails! <laughs> like... Beggar's Academy. Orphan Sarah Blaine is sure she had found her long-lost sister Martha working for a mysterious woman called The Duchess, who runs a school for beggars. Sarah... Sarah was determined to win the girls' confidence and affection so that they could be reunited and live together with Sarah's guardians. So she joins the Academy in hopes of getting close to Martha, quote-unquote. <laughs> yeah? Belle of the Ball. Belle Brown owned a ball that developed strange powers after being <laughs> treated by some space travelers from the planet Orbis. Wait, hold on. They used the ball to learn about Earth. Yes? It's just a ball? It's just a ball. She doesn't have powers. The ball has powers. And, yeah, the ball has powers as granted to them as by the aliens from Orbis. Orbis, yeah. Great. From Vog Orbis. Vog or, oh god, I forgot the name of the program. Vog um, Orbis. Betrayed! Michelle and Sharon are best friends. <coughs> but the girls fall out when Michelle sees Sharon with her boyfriend Greg and feels betrayed. Oh no. End of description. <laughs> <laughs> Please read the next one. Big head. <laughs> Tina Patterson has never made many friends because she's quiet and shy. Then her good-looking, but big-headed cousin <laughs> Joe... Good-looking, but big-headed cousin Joe arrives, and suddenly everyone wants to be friends with her. Wow, we see you now that we, that we can see your cousin's huge head in the crowd. <laughs> Tina knows they just want to get to Joe, but she doesn't care because she's being noticed at last. I'm always living in the shadow of my cousin's head. <laughs> Botany Bell... The scheming governess, Ms. Fallon, switches Lady Merrily Manners, the ward of Sir Anthony Manners, and heiress to Roxham Hall, with Belle Thorne, a thief. As a result, Lady Merrily gets five years in Botany Bay for theft, while Ms. Fallon passes off Belle as Merrily. Boyfriend from Blupo. A girl who wants a boyfriend finds one in Morgan, an alien from the planet Blupo. <laughs> that one has a footnote. Yeah, to explain what Blupo is. God, okay. Yeah, Blupo. Yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, Carrie's chickens. <laughs> I was also looking at 
Um. Oh boy. Red Indian raiders kill Carrie Lane's parents and destroy their farm. So she travels to the Rocky Mountains to find her brother Crispin. Her only companions are a horse, a dog, and two dozen chickens. <laughs> that doesn't feel like companions so much as more stuff you have to take care of. <laughs> God. Okay. Catch the cat. <laughs> Mary Bonnet is hated for being friendly with Nazi soldiers in a French town during the World War II occupation. But this is really a cover for Mary's double life as a costumed resistor known as the Cat. Oh my god! Like, wow! <laughs> She's, she pretends to be friends with Nazis so that when she dresses up as the Cat and sabotages Nazi affairs, no one will ever suspect it's her. Mm -hmm. And yet when I'm friends with Nazis publicly, no one ever assumes good things about me. <laughs> I'm not doing anything with it, but still. It'd be nice to get the benefit out. Changes. Maxine and Deanne have been school rebels. Then Deanne moves away and Maxine calms down. But then Deanne returns as rebellious as ever. She expects Maxine to be the same, which is causing problems for Maxine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The, the, the name. <laughs> oh, yes. Children of misery. <laughs> so everybody in all of these comics. Yes. God, yeah, girls really like reading about girls who were just shit on constantly it all was, the time. It was so annoying when all the boys would get their cool war stories and their sci-fis and their, like, and their, like, weird robot adventures and stuff. It, but, like, and girls were just like, where's my cereal about a little girl who's abused by all of her <laughs> family members? The evil, uh, nope. Rosemary Wilson has ta been taken prisoner by the Arkans, a strange people who never smile. <laughs> They're from Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, it's not actually supernatural or anything. They're just... Some of the families are now trying to escape, with Rosemary as their leader. Rosemary is puzzled as to why the Arkans do not seem to be pursuing them. Could it have a connection with the mysterious illness that is now striking the fugitives? Could, could it? I don't... I don't know, could it? Children of the Night. Mm. The evil Aunt Mabel runs an orphanage for homeless children where she shuts out sunlight on them, making them blind by day, but able to navigate in the dark, which is how that works. Yeah. This is so she can send them out to steal at night. When justice catches up with Aunt Mabel, the children are taken in by the generous and wealthy Mrs. Rigby, who is given one month to reform them. <laughs> it's so good that... It's so good that horrible, haggardly women who are abusive to their little, like, girls are can be taken away so that good-hearted, good good-minded, rich women mm -hmm. can take care of them instead. Come home, Kathleen. No! In 1930s Ireland, Kathleen O'Connell lives happily with her family, even though they don't have much money. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> then her mother's sister, Therese, arrives over from England with her daughter, Emma, and they propose to relieve the O'Connell's burden a bit by adopting Kathleen as a companion for Emma. 
but the Lacys are actually struggling to keep their usual lifestyle, and they expect Kathleen to work as a servant in exchange for taking her in. Kathy is very homesick, but is unable to afford her fare back to Ireland, so she has to think of some way to get home. Isn't this just the experience of being Irish? <laughs> oh. British people came over and said we had to do stuff for them, but then they like kind of treated us like shit and wouldn't and would withhold our papers. The trouble increases when Britain goes to war. <laughs> Kathy, Kathy and Emma are evacuated to stay with a cruel woman named Miss Jardine. Crueler than the mm-hmm. okay. And Emma's mother is killed in a bombing. What the Oh! <laughs> Jesus. Oh, okay, well, I'm sure this next one, this next one here is going to have the same, the mm-hmm. same, uh, just bombacity. Cora the Cookery Kid. Cora Rochester is very keen on cooking and wins a trip to Paris to study French cooking. <laughs> Pretty much. Those are just next to each other, I guess. Like, I do want to read these. It's working. Ooh. Hmm? I'm looking for some danger, but what kind of danger? Danger doll? (gasps) Oh my god! One evening, when Gemma Johnson is babysitting a young girl named Caroline, they receive an unexpected visitor. A doll! (gasps) Later, there is a mysterious fire, and Caroline and the doll disappear. (laughs) At first, Gemma is blamed, but when other children go missing, Gemma is asked to help solve the mystery. Does the doll have anything to do with it? Probably. Yeah. Dolls don't usually visit homes, so probably. I'm going to go with probably. Debbie's Diary, which is right after Debbie's Debt. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to read Debbie's Debt and Debbie's Diary. <laughs> Jealous Paula interferes with Debbie's bike. When an accident ensues, it is Paula who finds the injured Debbie. Paula proceeds to exploit her family's indebtedness and wealth. Debbie's diary. When Debbie King's family move house, she forgets to take her diary. Debbie is anxious to get her diary back as it contains some compromising entries about pretend dates. Debbie makes friends with Melanie Ward, who has moved into her house, hoping Melanie will help her get her diary back. But when Melanie finds out what Debbie wants, she starts blackmailing her. Don't speak to me, Mum. <laughs> Shirley Weston lives at Bunbury Castle, where her mother was cook to Sir Charles Merriwell. When Shirley wins a scholarship to Rossdean, a private boarding school, she finds most of the girls were from wealthy families. <gasps> when Shirley's friends mistake her for Sir Charlie's niece, she doesn't deny it, but problems arise when Shirley's mother takes a job as a cook at the school. Wait, hold on. How did you not, how did you miss that? Oops. Dopey Dora, the hope of the school. Dora Spoon is the dimmest pupil at Eversford School (laughs) and is also the school klutz. Everything she does goes wrong. Yet the school computer picks her as the most brilliant scholar, so she is entered along with five other clever pupils in the School of the Year contest. Ironically, it is Dora's blundering that is pulling the team through to success. All the same, her teammates want to get rid of her. <laughs> Dream Boy. Carrie Simpson is obsessed with the new pop group, Dream Boy Z. <laughs> her obsession has caused her to lose friends and her boyfriend, and it is even getting her into trouble at school. <laughs> God, I love when these turn into moral panics about, like, boy bands and shit. 
Claire Thomas has stood by Carrie. You, you're so weird. You like that boy band obsessively? That's something that I, another average girl, would never do. It would be bad and make everyone hate me. Like we all hate you. Claire Thomas has stood by Carrie, but even that friendship is put under stress when Carrie tries to blackmail Claire into babysitting her Dream Boy Z collection after her parents order her to get rid of it. <laughs> oh my god! God. <laughs> it's just so clear, like... I can't, I haven't checked, but it's super obvious when you look through the boys ones. They're written by boys or men, and boys. these are also written by boys. Like clearly, obviously. Oh, <laughs> oh. duel of the dolls. <laughs> Wendy Taylor and her parents return to Britain after two years in South America, but her father has made an enemy who puts an evil spell on Bobby, one of Wendy's dolls, in attempts to counteract the spell. A friend of the family uses good magic to enable the other doll, Betty, to protect Wendy from harm. And I guess haunted dolls was just a thing. It was just like a fad. Ernie's girl. The police chief's computer... Wish I had Ernie's girl. (laughs) The police chief's computer, electronic random name indicator extraordinary, or Ernie... God damn it! (laughs) Selects Dizzy WPC Dora Wiggins as the person most likely to succeed. Dora doesn't agree with this, but the chief believes his computer couldn't be wrong, and to her dismay, he promotes her anyway. Ah, jeepers, sir. I don't think you should have any confidence in me. I'm just a dumb broad. But the computer never lies. Ah, jeepers. Ah, jeepers. I ran into a post again. (laughs) Ah, jeez. Follow the dragon. Oh, Five Edgecombe girls. Five Edgecombe girls' school pupils are stranded in the African jungle after a plane crash. Their tough teacher, Ms. Hardiman, known as the Dragon, is determined to lead them to safety. Wow. Damn. Can't just take the dragon name like that. I mean, maybe she's actually a dragon. Hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if the end of the at the end it's like she's revealed to be an actual dragon <laughs> because somebody had cast a magic spell on a doll to protect all the girls after they had been like you know after their airplane had been sabotaged by some <laughs> by some cruel woman and her and with her stepdaughter who resents them. God, this one gets a little meta. Framed. Framed. Carly Bell's mother is an artist and writer of picture stories for a Bunty-esque comic named Jenny. I'm sure that existed. <laughs> she discusses her new idea with Carly. A family called the Swifts begin to have falling outs after winning the pools. Carly thinks the characters aren't realistic. Oh my god, I think this isn't... We've read this. We This was one of the ones we stumbled upon when we decided to do this. Con- no, was, someone was like talking about how when her mom made it big on the pools and... Oh, I mean, that's... I've already seen two others about winning big on the pools. Yeah, but this person is writing one of those. Oh, is the yes. thing. This is the. This is the. <laughs> this person who's writing this girl's comic is writing a way a lady who is writing a girl's comic that is actually just other girls' comics that already exist. Okay. Well, Carly thinks the characters aren't realistic. They are too. <laughs> They are too good to begin with to suddenly have fights over money, so her mother decides to scrap the entire idea. Unfortunately for Carly, the Swiss come to life and are furious that their series was scrapped, <laughs> so they decide to teach her a lesson. Each of the Swiss take a turn at playing tricks on her, including the dog. And even the dog gets in on it. 
Jesus. Gelda, the girl from the glacier. Gelda had been frozen in a glacier years ago. Ugh, oh, like 20, yeah, probably. probably. When an unexpected thaw frees her, she discovers that warmth from fire or the sun could kill her. Oh. She can only venture out of her ice cave at night or on overcast days. <laughs> okay. Georgie and Griff. Georgie Mayer comes to Camelot to attend Camelot Ladies College and stay with Professor Hislop, her uncle. Georgie has brought with her Griff, her invisible pet Griffin. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> oh. Grow up, Granny. <laughs> Polly's irresponsible grandmother must, must learn to behave respectably in order to be approved as Polly's legal guardian. That's right, no joining the gymnastic school, Granny. <laughs> Here I go on the pommel horse again. That 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 is not a suitable that is not a suitable home for a child. Hannah in the house of dolls. <laughs> Great. Disguised as a disabled waif. <laughs> yeah, no, this one hits at least three of the plots. Disguised as a disabled waif, Hannah Weston takes a job in a strange doll shop called the House of Dolls, so she can investigate the shop and secretly help the young children who are made to work in the shop. She soon learns that Miss Scratchit, the owner of the shop, is using the dolls to commit robberies. By transferring the life energy of waste into the dolls, she's able to bring the dolls to life. And when they are bought by rich parents for their child, they rob the houses of the rich people in the middle of the night and take the ill-gotten gains back to Miss Scratchit. Do the sentience endowed dolls get their <laughs> minds returned to the waif children? I or? don't think so. Oh! I love how that is... You're disguised, rich, rich disguised as poor person, uh, little girl investigator, haunted doll, worked as a slave in a situation you're stuck in. Like, it's, that's for, they really just, maybe they, maybe they got paid by the plot type. Because <laughs> there's basically also, like six stories being uh, told. Also, I'm, I think I'm starting to dis be able to discern the difference between a working class and a middle class name mm. in the UK in the 20th century because name like names like Scratchit only show up when it's like some villainous woman who's like exploiting children to get for ill-gotten gains because she otherwise doesn't have access to money <laughs> like a working class oh. evil woman classic working class Oh, uh, let's see. <laughs> God, the dolls. Um, There's so many dolls. I'm tempted to just, like, Katarl F look for dolls. <laughs> Humpty Dumpty. Hilarious adventures with Flora McV McVicar and her pet, the Loch Ness Monster. Oh! I don't like dogs. <laughs> Mrs. Kemp has terrible sinophobia, fear of dogs. And this fear passes onto her, onto her daughter Helen, because that's how phobias work. Mm -hmm. After Mrs. Kemp dies, Dad finds a new girlfriend, Rowena. But when Helen sees she has a golden retriever, Benji, her oh, it's probably cynophobia. Cynophobia is probably different. Yeah, that's a different thing. That's not that thing. That means it's very different. Yeah, it's thing. a very different thing that British people also have. Yes, um, <laughs> and I wouldn't put them. Past making a story about it. But her cynophobia starts causing problems with the new relationship. God, I'll hope the next one. Mm -hmm. 
I want to dance. In the year 2082, Danny McKay is disconnected with life in a hard-working world where music and dancing are banned. Her closest friend is a robot, Mickey. After finding a tape recording of Swan Lake, Denny won't be happy until she learns to dance. Of course it's ballet. Of course it's ballet. It's always... Girls aren't allowed to do other types of dance. You saw what happened with the Dream Boysy. <laughs> she gets sent to a school where there is a secret ballet class that takes place in the basement at nighttime. <laughs> they also... It's also where they're high... It's also where the uh, French Resistance is hiding the shoes from the collaborators. <laughs> It is run by the mysterious Alana, and everyone has to hide their identity. <laughs> I want to go home. When Kate and Kim Parker's parents divorced, Kate decided to stay with their mum, while Kim chose to stay with their dud, I mean dad. For the first time in six months, Kim was, was to come stay with her mum and sisters for the holiday. It is quite a change for her, as since Dad got a promotion, Kim has been used to living in a style in style in a large country house. Even though Mum and Kate make an effort to make things nice and fun, she wants to go home. Kim gets her wish when her mum falls sick and they have to go to their father's while she recovers. Now Kate is feeling uncomfortable, while Kim... While Kim shows her around pointing out all the nice things they have, Kate feels she would prefer her dad to be home to greet them like their mum would. God. Yeah. Just, like, actually you should stay in your class. <laughs> it's another one of the stories here. And it's not even like, like, when rich people become middle class, they seem unhappy. And when middle class people become rich, they seem unhappy. Every time. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know... It's not like, oh, it's, it's better uh, to be one or the other. No, no, it's like, whenever you get a little bit more money, things are actually bad. So don't get more money. No. Just be happy and poor. Jill and the Jukebox Gang. <laughs> Jill Maynard hopes to stop the local, local youth club, the Jukebox, from being closed down by putting on an original ballet. God damn it! <laughs> You are so close to another type of dance. Come on. Come on. Innocent Angela. Angela Seymour is a new girl at Winminster School. She looks an innocent-looking girl, but in fact, she is a plant who has been placed at Winminster by her uncle, her aunt and uncle, who run the rival school, Greenwoods. Her mission is to destroy Winminster. Uh, no. Winminster must fall. Not Winminster. Lady in the Looking Glass. Pam Fenton is plump and very plain <laughs> until she finds a pair of ballet shoes Yay! that had belonged to a ballerina who had died. Oh no! Pam believes the shoes had a magic power, and when she wears them, she feels light and graceful, and she's the reflection of a beautiful dancer in the mirror. Good. Oh, finally, I'm not plump. I'm just possessed. <laughs> it's the red shoes. Letters of hate. Gemma's life isn't going so well these days. Her boyfriend, Mike, dumped her and her father has lost a job. Despite all this, she seems surprisingly upbeat. Then, people in her school start getting poison pen letters. Gemma and her friends, Kathy and Laura, decide to play detective to find out who is sending the letters. It has nothing to do with her life. It has nothing to do... Like, she... The the, the, the start of this was, Gemma's life is, is like, taking a turn for the worst, <laughs> but she seems happy, which is why she 
plays detective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Melody Lee, a dancer she'll be. <laughs> Melody Lee was abandoned as a baby and has two goals in life. To become a ballet dancer and to find her mother. This strip was the inspiration for the song Melody Lee by English punk rock band The Damned. <laughs> wow, thanks. Thanks so much. <laughs> Some more ballet. More ballet. Rita's Robots. In the year 2003, Rita Knox's father has been given the task of choosing a prototype home robot, which is to be launched on the mass market. Worthless consumer model. <laughs> Rita, per- <laughs> Rita persuades him to try out F.E. and K.C. in their home, but the two robots become instant enemies. That's why you have to introduce robots gradually. Yeah. <laughs> you need to keep them on opposite sides of a door and give them both a spot they feel safe in. Sandra's sad secret, a.k.a. Cheat. <laughs> When Sandra Harrison's father is imprisoned for fraud, <laughs> she, God damn it. always she and her mother move in with strict grandparents. No! Oh, no, Sandra has promised to keep her father's whereabouts secret, but it's prison. Your father's in prison. <laughs> it's not secret. Sandra has promised to keep her father's whereabouts secret, but a girl at school, Megan, had found out the truth and is now blackmailing Sandra. Oh no! How we? How did Negan find out? Uh, she... I do a I do a full background check on every girl that comes to this school. The boys are fine, but the girls probably have some like skeletons in their closet. I was in the joint with your dad, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, real tough guy. Oh dear. Hmm. Scatty Maddie, the school's last hope. Oh no. Wait, this is just the ones from. This is just the one from earlier. Are you telling me that some of these are repetitive? Well, I mean... <laughs> Matilda Maddie Trot is kicked by her... is tricked by her schoolmates into entering a contest to find the Ripley Rosebud. All entrants are to be given tests, not just of beauty, but of initiative, and the winner will accompany the reigning beauty queen, the Rose of Ripley, during the forthcoming carnival. Yeah, no... Um, hey, you might feel like you're the most unpopular girl in your school, but what if you save the school? I mean, you won't, but you could read this comment. Yeah, but, yeah, so, you know, if you're scatty Maddie. <laughs> Ugh. Secret. Oh, my God. <laughs> here's another, uh, here's another two, uh, two, two, uh, stories becoming one. Uh, mm-hmm. Secret Gymnast. Ginny Jones enjoys sports, but she has yet to find the one that fits her best. After a hockey match, she gets into a fight with some girls from the competing school. She escapes them by running away through a building site. Unknown to her, while she is maneuvering around the site, she is being watched. The older woman sees potential in her and invites her to her house. She tells Ginny she has been looking for a promising student for quite a while and wants to train her to be a gymnast. Ginny agrees to be trained despite some oddness from her new coach, like wanting to keep the lesson secret. (laughs) Ooh. Slaves of the ballet. Oh my god! You can't just call it that. You can. The Sultan Zodu of Danabu kidnaps the pupils of a British ballet dancing school for his spoilt daughter, Almira. (laughs) Like... God, I love that it's all... There's ten plots. 
And everything picks from somewhere between one to four of them. Sonia and the Sacred Cat. Sonia is an outcast in the desert, and her only friend is a cat. The followers of Mahmud believe the cat is a sacred cat of e ancient Egypt. He makes Sonia his slave to look after the cat and claims the cat will lead him to victory in a war of conquest. Mm -hmm. Just like me. <laughs> hey, uh, mm -hmm. Frank, would you tell me what Superstitious Cindy's about? Superstitious Cindy? A comic strip about a very superstitious girl. Oh. Well, okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Nothing happens, I guess. The Baby Snatchers! Joyce March, Marsh makes the dreadful discovery that her employers, the Herrings, are cribbers, quote-unquote, people who buy and sell stolen babies. <laughs> the Herrings are also her family's landlords, and the Joyce's father forbids her to go to the police in case they are thrown out into the streets. Joyce tries to reunite the babies with their parents without making the herring suspicious of her. How? That's super- like, you're taking their product, basically. <laughs> papa, Papa, our landlords are stealing children and selling them to other- to other people. Well, but we might get kicked out and this is rent controlled! <laughs> oh, I thought that said the dancing donkeys. The Minnie Morgans are little people that perform as a circus act in 1885, along with their friend Martha Little, which isn't confusing. <laughs> yeah, wait, so the, <laughs> the Minnie Morgans are little people, but they're not called Little, but also Martha Little is there. Unfortunately, the circus has to close, and while the owner thinks he can get Martha another job, for the Morgans, he says the only option is to join a freak show. Is that not what they were about? No. So yeah, that's right. This is a dignified circus yeah. for middle class people. They were just doing acrobatics, and everyone was like, "I am appreciating them for their acrobatics, and not for anything else about them." The Morgans are not happy with being considered freaks, and Martha decides that she will help them find jobs. <laughs> Along the way to find new jobs, they have to deal with people's prejudices as well as Devere, the owner of the freak show, trying to capture them. Yeah, that's. Like the middle third of American Horror Story Freak Show. <laughs> God. Give or take. The middle sixth. Yeah. A lot happens. I don't recommend watching that, folks at home. Actually, edit that out so we don't incur... Actually, only put that in so that people have to watch American Horror Story. Ugh. God, is it bad. A worst show on television. Tina's temper. Tina Marsh has a quick temper, which her classmates think is great fun to watch. Tina ends up getting suspended, and her former head encourages her to use this fresh start to get her temper under control. While she takes this in, she only really decides to change when her father has a heart attack after she was fighting with her sister. Oh my god! She was determined to stay out of trouble for the sake of her father's health. Too many cooks, too many cooks. <laughs> no, it's someone named Kathy Cook. God... Oh, and then it's just Uncle Tom's Cabin. Oh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Oh, which is, yeah, it's just an it's, adaptation of Harriet Beecher Stowe's anti-slavery novel. Yeah, it's... Okay. I, I, I Sure, <laughs> Thanks, <guess>. Bunty. <laughs> Thanks, Bunty. Uh, Trilby will be tops. 
I just wanted to say that. <laughs> Unfair to favorites. Jane and Jean Gentry seem to have everything going from them in the activities they pursue. Ballet, Jean, and athletics, Jane. But there is one problem. It has bred favoritism among their parents. Dad favors Jane because she pursues sport. Mum favors Jean because she does the same with ballet. And neither parent pays much attention to the other girl. Oh, man, I bet they're going to have to switch places or mm -hmm. something. Or maybe their parents will die in a train wreck and then they'll have to be taken in by a, a horrible, like, like house mistress who refuses to allow any kind of physical activity. Wait for me, Island. Debbie Carlton lives isolated with her father on an island in the Pacific. Then an opportunity presents itself to let Debbie see more of the world, and she hopes she can explore to Joy's frame, a man who would claim the painting of Mr. Carlton was his own work. <laughs> <laughs> like, also, art theft story. There's a lot in that one. Workhouse Wendy. A Victorian girl goes undercover to investigate conditions at the workhouse run by her parents, but when they are suddenly killed at sea, she is believed to be dead as well. Her uncle, the only one aware that she is still inside the workhouse, claims the family fortune and pays the corrupt beetle to keep her there as an inmate. Should we switch over to Mandy? Yeah, uh, and that was Bunty. It was all from Bunty. Not but, all, not all of Bunty, crucially. Right. No, but that was, those were all selections from Bunty. Now, Mandy, on the other hand, which would eventually be merged with Judy to become Mandy and Judy, which would that in itself become Bunty? Yes. <laughs> um, has its own list of um, <laughs> its own list of comics. So, do we want to get into, um, do we want to get into Mandy? Mm -hmm. Uh, hey, uh, other voice, why don't you start with A Girl Called Rowan? A Girl Called Rowan. Debbie Dawson's new friend Rowan has a strange power over plants because she is a dryad. Oh. A tree sprite. Wait. <laughs> okay. When Debbie runs away from the relative she was staying with, Rowan goes with her. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Frank. Yeah. Would you read a girl called Squirrel? Of course. I bet. Well, the last Rowan. I mean, Rowan was actually mm. a dryad. So right. I'm excited for this one. A girl named Squirrel lives in a tree at Green Oak Park. Wait. She wants to learn to play table tennis properly. Which <laughs> <laughs> you can't learn when you are raised by the trees. Yeah. And sets out to earn a scholarship to Highgrove Private School because it has a first class table tennis team. <laughs> Why? I was content to live in this tree until the allure of table tennis <laughs> pulled me in. I just lived in the tree, eating the nuts, living with nature, and then one day I saw a child playing table tennis, and I knew it was for me. <clears throat> a horse called Henry. Henry the horse tells the story of his life. Oh. This one's just about a horse. This one's just about a horse. A slave called Sandra. Oh, uh, oh, good. Wait, a what? <laughs> a slave called Sandra. Oh, great. Sandra Best lives with her aunt and uncle, who treat her badly and make her do all the work in the house and the laundrette that they own. <laughs> oh my god, and the laundrette. She believes that her father owed them a debt she must pay off. 
One thing she gets enjoyment out of is her talent for sewing and dressmaking. Cool? Yeah, good. So about that slave thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... Um, that my, my name is Sandra, so, like, it's sort of alliterative. It's fun. It's fun. It's slave called Sandra is a fun name. A switch in time. A mysterious girl named Kyra, claiming to be a relative from Australia, arrives at Melanie Clark's house. Kyra seems to know little about modern life and arrived in Victorian clothes, which convinces Melanie that Kyra is from the year 1884. Uh oh. Based on whatever. Then, Kyra reveals she is really from. 2084 oh, and was sent oh. back in time to 1884 for a history project, but her time ship crashed, stranding her in 1984. Melanie agrees to help keep her secret. Reprinted in 1991 <laughs> with the dates updated. That's amazing. Why? I guess that one was <laughs> what a, popular. What a bizarre bait and switch. Yeah, also, it's the only one I've ever seen that was reprinted here. Like, that's the one. That was the classic. Oh, no, baby bunting. Baby bunting. That one's not that interesting. It's just called baby, baby bunting. Because <laughs> her name is Barbara Bunting, so they call her baby what bunting. About, uh, but what about bad luck Barbara? Bad luck Barbara. When Barbara Petty and her parents move to Wavertree, she becomes persecuted by the villagers who believe she is descended from an old witch, Grandmother Petty, and blame her for any bad luck in the village. Barbara is finding it difficult to escape the situation because her parents refuse to listen, and the family depends on Mr. Petty's job in the village. Now, <laughs> I, I am sorry, Barbara, but, but we need this job, and I'm not about to go. Not about to go around telling people they can't call you a witch. <laughs> so many things are because their dads have to have jobs in terrible places. Yes. I mean, I guess that's just sort of... I guess that must be relatable when you're in the, you know, the mm -hmm. UK. Yeah. Basically anywhere your father is transferred to work is going to suck. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you tell me about Beatty's bingo card? Oh, I'd love to. Beatty's bingo card. Beatty Ward is a selfish girl who always wants her own way and never helps out or shows consideration for others. One day... Beatty grumbles about there being no bingo for kids. <laughs> God. Like, I don't know if that made more sense at the time. Uh, what? No bingo for kids. That blows. <laughs> but then she is surprised to receive a bingo card in the post. On a Sunday. What? It comes with the message... A prize more precious than them all, if by full moon, full house, you call. A prize more precious than them all, if by full moon, full house, you call. Yeah, it's a good rhyme. It makes no sense until Beatty brings home a football jersey with the number three on it, and then the number three just vanishes from the card. <laughs> Greed overtakes Beatty, and she becomes determined to get all the other numbers on the card by the full moon to collect the riches that must surely be waiting for her. This is a poppin' music character. <laughs> That's so specific. It is. Yeah. Can she just bring home any number? Like, I don't... 
understand I mean, the Maybe rules. she has to start mugging, like, footballers. Mm, she just, she needs, it's only football jerseys. Uh, and would you, would you tell me about Beryl's birds? Of course. Newcomer Beryl Blake finds it difficult to fit in at her new school and make friends. It gets worse when she was wrongly accused of stealing a peacock brooch from one of her classmates. Later, Beryl goes to a fortune teller who warns her there will be trouble and sadness for her over a brightly colored bird that is not hers. Wait, but didn't it already happen? No, this is going to be a different brightly colored bird. Oh, okay. Don't worry, it doesn't get more confusing. To offset the bad fortune because of the bird, the fortune teller gives Beryl a whistle that has the power to charm birds. Oh, what? Okay, how does that help? Uh, But Beryl will have to use it with good intentions because the birds will sense if she is using the whistle for angry reasons. Wait, why is that a stipulation? What is she using it for? Because birds are pure. I mean, I get birds are pure, but why is she using a whistle to summon them? How does that offset her luck? I don't know. There are three separate bird things in this that don't seem to connect up in any meaningful way. I guess bird is just a theme in her life and not Mm -hmm. so much the cause of her problems. (laughs) I mean, you're going to have bad luck because of a bird, but you're also going to have good luck because of a bird. Pretty much everything that's going to happen to you is because of birds, kid. I don't know what to tell you. It's weird. I just look in the ball and it's just birds all in the crystal ball. Beth's beautiful face. In Victorian times, Beth Bailey has lived all her life at Mercy House Orphanage. She is adopted by the Howards and now lives a life of luxury and is very happy. When she finds a photograph of a girl named Louisa who looks just like her, she reasons the Howards must have adopted her because she resembles their late daughter, Louisa. Terrified, she will be sent back to the orphanage if she loses her looks. She starts going to great lengths to keep her face maintained. I can never stop looking like the seven-year-old girl. Like, what? So, but, like, that's not... What does maintaining a face look like? (laughs) Like, I mean, sure, keep it clean and stuff, but, like, what do you mean? She probably uses all kinds of moisturizers. Oh, no, my face is morphing to look like someone else's face. Better squirt it back into position. Yeah. Oh, is that how it works for Tails? That's how it works for JoJo's. That's true. That is actually a JoJo. A lot of these are JoJo's, as you did point out. Yeah, I, I, I actually think, I'm, I'm starting to think that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure actually stole all of its ideas <laughs> from Mandy and Punty. God. Um, Speaking of things that might have been stolen, that JoJo might have stolen, Bionic Bruno. Oh! Anna Conrad befriends some aliens. When it looks like her father's hotel, the Berghof, will go out of business for lack of a winter sports instructor. (laughs) Oh! Which I guess is a really key position back then for hotels. (laughs) The aliens send a bionic man, Bruno, to do the job. Oh! Good. (laughs) But... He can't hear the sound of sirens or or he'll start to disintegrate. Yeah, and also he's blind. God. Uh, Blind Belinda. Belinda Stewart is blind, but also a talented singer. Wow, that's... Her managers are Gloria and Keith Foxton, who promise her she will make enough money to receive a cure from a famous American doctor. But in fact, the Foxtons are out to pocket any money Belinda makes for themselves. Oh my god. 
And because she can't, you see, because she can't see the money, mm. she doesn't know that she's not getting any money. Cat! 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 A cat exerts an evil influence over Livy Clark. Cat! Cat! <laughs> oh, where's some ballet? Yeah, Cindy in the Crystal Shoes. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Cindy Reeves, a very talented young ballet dancer, is competed in competing in secret for the Crystal Shoes Trophy and the chance of a scholarship to a famous ballet school. Cindy is an orphan in her garden. V. Burke ill-treats her and forbids her to dance. But Cindy is helped by Miss Webster, a friendly neighbor. Oh. I'll bet Miss Webster is secretly, secretly richer than uh, Vi mm, Burke. Probably. Can you tell me about another Cindy? Oh, do you want to know about Cindy's magic wand? I would love to know about Cindy's magic wand. Well, Cindy Thrower slaves for a Cindy cruel Thrower. uncle and aunt and spiteful cousins. Cindy Thrower slaves for a cruel uncle and aunt and spiteful cousins. She starts secretly training as a javelin thrower. <laughs> what the fuck? But the lies she has to tell her nasty relatives in order to slip away to train start to catch up with her. I feel like I'm training to be a javelin thrower is your is your excuse to yeah. sneak off to go drink. <laughs> Young lady, is that a javelin behind her back? No. Well, then it better it, it certainly doesn't look like a cursed doll. <laughs> Get back here and dust our array of ballet curse, cursed dolls, please. <laughs> uh, hey, what do you know about Claire? Um, Claire loves Steve, but uh-huh. she hates Elaine. Oh, no! Claire Ramsey finds her new neighbor, Elaine Benson, a bossy sort, and hates her. But she fancies Elaine's brother, Steve, and is trying to find a way to get him to notice her, including trying to do it through Elaine. This gets Claire into a lot of scrapes, such as dyeing her hair green to impress Steve, only to find out he is colorblind. And all she does is get herself in trouble with her parents and headmaster. Oh, that... Oh, man, that... I have exactly the idea of what this comic's like now. Yeah, I... I mean, I just thought green Steve would be a big... (laughs) Guess not. Matters come to a head when Elaine finds out about Claire fancying her brother and tries to use it to blackmail Claire into helping her cheat at a test. Of course! Oh! Yes, of course. I don't know that it's a good <laughs> description, but Dad must never know! It's <laughs> a great title. I think it is. <laughs> Sandy, Sally Randall wants to be a show jumper, but her father has banned ponies! <laughs> That better be a full-sized horse you have there, Missy. (laughs) It is. Oh, you're full of it. (laughs) Crippled show jumper Ruth Henbury has secretly trained Sally on her own pony, Storm. I live live vicariously through you, for I am disabled (laughs) and can have no other life but helping Mm -hmm. me spoil little, I mean, a helpless little rich girl. Sally is entering events under the name of McAndrew and competing in the junior championships. Then, jealous Joyce Heath discovers that Sally is competing under a false name, which is grounds for disqualification. Sally has realized Joyce knows the truth, but wonders why Joyce isn't letting on. She does not realize that Joyce is trying to figure out her motive for competing under a false name, which must be a serious one, before reporting her. Oh, of course. That 
I can't report her without knowing the reason. I gotta get down. Follow the money. Figure out the truth. Dorinda, doll of doom. (laughs) Debbie Soames receives a doll, Dorinda, and discovers that Dorinda can tell the future. This starts causing problems, such as misconstruing Dorinda's prophecies. Okay, well, that doesn't sound like it's Dorinda's fault. No, it feels like there's a lot of blame thrown at Dorinda uh, here. It seems like Debbie it, Debbie is a misconstruer of mm-hmm. Doom. <laughs> Debbie tries not to listen to Dorinda, but Dorinda's prophecies still cause trouble. Again, it doesn't feel like it's Dorinda's fault. No. Justice for Dorinda. Can you tell me about Diana's dark secret? Oh, I sure can. Diana's dark secret. Diana Sefton is an excellent gymnast at Linwood School, despite being completely blind. <laughs> when she... Mm-hmm. When she regains her sight after an accident, she keeps it a secret because she cannot bear to part with Goldie, her guide dog. But her conscience keeps niggling. Yeah, okay. Great. Oh, <laughs> just like you can just keep the dog. The no, dog she'll lose it because her par- cause her, her wicked adoptive parents hate dogs but only tolerated it so they didn't have to help their blind child or something. Diana and the Doomstone. Oh, no. Diana Blake brings home a stone and her sculptor father carves it into a bust. Diana starts feeling strange powers coming from the stone. Then she starts acting as if she is hypnotized and doing things that are completely out of character. What is that character? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she starts not doing ballet when she was supposed to, or vice versa. (laughs) Emma's Umbrella. In 1900, Ivan's Umbrella Shop is renowned for his beautiful personalized umbrellas with the owner's name inscribed on the handle. The last umbrella Ivan makes is inscribed with the name Emma, after the daughter he and his wife never had. The umbrella passes through a succession of owners over time, and each time it does so, it changes their life. Oh. That's... Did, did, I, I presume that it changes their names to Emma. <laughs> yeah, they're all Emma now. We are all Emma, the daughter you did not have. <laughs> Goldie and the three bears. When three live bears attach themselves to Goldie Lock, it begins an adventure which lands Goldie and her friend, Pat Howard, on the island of Sawaki. The Sawakians has a colony of these sacred bears. They believe as long as the bears live, valuable osmium mines will continue. <laughs> but their enemies, the Catholians, made a su- make a surprise attack and kill all the bears except Goldie's three, who she and her friend managed to hide. Losing heart, the superstitious Sawakians surrender. Goldie's convinced that if they knew some of the sacred bears were saved, the Sawakians would rise up again. But first a safer hiding place must be found for the bears. Alright, you you people who are having your entire culture just like like demolished in front of you. I guess we've it would be nice if we could help mm-hmm. you, but first we've got to hide these bears even more so people don't believe that they're there. Mm-hmm. I also just love that that one clearly starts like, 
What if I did a take on Goldilocks and the Three Bears? Uh... Oh my god, deadline's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Georgie, go home! Georgie Hudson is orphaned and taken in by her Aunt Meg after a spell in a children's home. But her cousins, all boys, are not friendly because they mistakenly thought she would be a boy and do not welcome a girl. Their hostility gets worse when Georgie's arrival brings changes to the household that they do not like. Such as Georgie unwittingly inspiring Aunt Meg to put them on a washing-up Rhoda. Rhoda? Yeah. Okay. A washing-up Rhoda. Uh, the, uh, the boys are soon causing trouble for Georgie and want her out. Georgie is f- trying to find a way to win them over, but isn't having much <laughs> success. Uh, I guess the arrival of a girl made Aunt Meg go, Oh, the children should probably be washing themselves. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh and the boys God. are just like, Ugh, I hate this. I hate having to be clean. How do I get the smell out of my gamer chair? <laughs> Guinea pig girl. Terry Lacey's father draws a comic strip about the adventures of a girl who is also named Terry. Terry helps Dad out with his ideas, but doing so gets her into all sorts of scrapes. Also, there's a guinea pig. I guess. She's the guinea pig. He pushes her into situations and then draws comics about it. <laughs> Hateful Hattie. Hattie Taylor is despised by the other girls of a cruel orphanage because she curries favor with the staff to get preferential treatment. They are unaware that this is Hattie's cover for her other persona, the Angel Ghost, a mysterious benefactor who helps alleviate their hard life. <laughs> that's just the that's just the lady pretending to be friends with Nazis, but then yeah. she's like the cat again. <laughs> Head of hate. (laughs) Gemma Andrews makes fun of a museum statue of the Greek monster Medusa the Gorgon and pays the price. Afterward, Medusa's head keeps appearing to Gemma in reflective surfaces. Every time it does, Gemma turns spiteful and destructive and does not remember her behavior afterwards. Eventually, Gemma gets a translation of some of the words from the statue. It says that in order to break Medusa's power, something of hers must be destroyed. But Gemma does not know what the something is because the key word is missing. Oh no, an incomplete sentence. I must fall out with Mary. <laughs> Marcia Noble and her sister Mary have always been close. But when their parents head for a separation and think the girls will cope as they are so close, Marcia tries to fall out with Mary and hope it will keep her parents together. So, wait. Uh, because their parents figure that because their children are well-adjusted and love each other, that they're, they'll be okay even oh. if they get a divorce. Oh. So in order to stop them from thinking that, uh, uh, Marsha is like, I know, I'll pretend that Mary, I'll make it so that Mary and I hate each other and uh, never support each other again, so our parents will have to stay together in order to support us. And that'll make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. I am a robot. Nice. Jackie Johnson pretends to be a humanoid robot. <laughs> Sheena, or simulated humanoid electro-newtonic automation. That's better than the last it is one we read. Which was literally random name generator something something. 
to save her scientist father from ruin. <laughs> oh my god. So, so many girls have so many fathers who are just on the edge of their, like, mm-hmm. on the edge of losing everything. Sheena is designed to protect wealthy Daphne Richmond, but Daphne gets kidnapped. Meanwhile, Daphne's chauffeur, Andrew, discovers Jackie's secret, and then two robots attempt to rescue Daphne. What? I guess the chauffeur is also a, pretends to be a robot? Aha. Uh-huh. Well, I, the good-hearted chauffeur, I know your secret, and will also look out for you. In the shadow of Shirley, Sandra Dexter is adopted by John and Mary Dixon. They just want Sandra to be happy, but Sandra thinks she has to prove she can be as good as their late daughter, Shirley, who was clever and talented. But Sandra's attempts to be as good as Shirley and step out from her shadow always go wrong and get her into trouble. Hmm? Very nice one. Is he my dad? <laughs> I don't know. Is his business about to fall apart? <laughs> and it's up to you to save it? Kay Paxton's father crash-landed in Russia and was imprisoned for seven years. He's now returned. For being in Russia? Yeah. That was a thing back then. He was the, he has now returned, but Colonel McClintock of the British Secret Service has warned Kay that the man may be an imposter and Russian spy. She is to keep an eye on him and report anything unusual. Kate's, Kay's spying has her not knowing one way or the other about the man claiming to be her father. Hey, why don't you keep an eye on him? Uh, be- because I, uh... B- 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 mm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's definitely not a spy. I know him from way back. I just want to do a little tease on you, girl. Little girl. Classic little prank. Jigsaw of danger. (laughs) Jill Jarvis has a family photograph turned into a jigsaw for her parents' anniversary. But when she accidentally breaks a vase belonging to a strange old woman, the woman puts a curse on the jigsaw. The curse causes anything that happens to a piece of the jigsaw with a relative on it to happen to the same relative. And the woman says it will stay that way until either the vase is whole again or an identical one is found. Oh, okay. Buy another vase. I don't know. Glue it? No. Can you glue it? If you think you can, if you think you can just buy another one, by all means. Just that easy. Lily's pink drink. Lily Miller wants to get rid of her freckles, so she enlists the help of Professor Gudge. (laughs) Gudge. Gudge. He makes different potions, but they don't have the desired effect. They do have other temporary side effects, though, such as giving her super strength. (laughs) Super strength? I wanted (laughs) anti-freckles. Little Lord Percival, Pauline Pratt finds a ventriloquist dummy. Oh, goddammit. Little Lord Percival, but discovers he is evil and causes a lot of trouble that she gets the blame for. Eventually, she realizes that Lord Percival is possessed by the spirit of Fred Vernon Vasily, Vernon the Valet, a ventriloquist with a difficult, quarrelsome personality. Vasily's personality led to his sad end after a quarrel with a fellow performer, Mr. Grantley, and now Lord Percival is out for revenge on Mr. Grantley. Uh, okay. 
So, oh no, this ventriloquist dummy is causing me so much trouble. Yeah, kid, but you don't understand. I was a disagreeable ventriloquist. Whoa, it's you. <laughs> Actually, just kidding, but my, you know, my old boss, the ventriloquist, was killed after by his business partner, so I'm going to go take him out. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, I, I guess, guess I'm not part of the story I guess anymore. we're doing that now. It's not really, I'm not really involved in this. Um. <laughs> Mandy. <laughs> Mandy. That's it. There's oh. no description on that one. It's just, it's, it's just Mandy. 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 Mm? Luck now, Lucy. In mm. 1857, in India, the British governor's residency at Lucknow is besieged by native soldiers. Mm-hmm. Among the people trapped in the grounds are the girls of Miss Fillmore's school for soldiers' daughters. <laughs> Dot, dot, dot. Could you tell me about Lonely? Uh, Lonely? Lonely. Anna Jackson is looking after Badger. <laughs> oh, Badger. That's it. <laughs> okay. If there's no story. I like the idea there's no story to that one. It's just someone looking after Badger. Well, hey, going, Badger. <sighs> well, hey, Badger. Hey, hey Badger. Ah. <sighs> And it's just like three pages of sighing and feeding badgers, and it's over. That's it. Maxie's Taxi. Kate Baxter takes over her dad's taxi business when he is injured. <laughs> She's helped by Maxie, a cat with strange powers that appeared out of nowhere. Oh. Next one. How is that helpful? I feel like a cat is not helpful. Meg among the slaves. Nice. I love, the, I love how many mm-hmm. times slaves is dropped. Meg Jackson was an apprentice seamstress at Hamble's. When Hamble is away, the manager and his sister, the Joneses, ill-treat the apprentices, especially Meg. Meg runs away, but comes back when she learns that the Joneses are cheating Mr. Hamble. Can she unmask them? Uh, what does this have to do with slavery? Ah, uh, she's a slave because she's worked hard. You see. Oh. It's fine to use that word. My bionic budgie. When Kim Norton's budgie, Beaky, is injured by a cat. Beaky? Beaky. He's replaced at a government research station and given bionic parts. Sorry, <laughs> repaired, not replaced. We can make, we can make him bigger, beakier, <laughs> budgier. He's still going to be mostly a budgie, though, so don't expect, like, a ton here. <laughs> My awful sister. Robin West has a happy life with her kind, well-off parents who adopted her when she was very young. <laughs> then cruel, spiteful Kate Baker, a new kid at school, a new girl at school, discovers they are sisters who were separated as babies. Robin fears Kate will tell the West she's one of the family. Oh, oh no! I hope this. I hate this girl, but she's my sister. I hope that she never gets a home. <laughs> No boy for Becky. No boy for Becky. Becky Howard buys a pair of figurines, Pierrot and Pirette, but accidentally breaks Pierrot. Since then, she has lost one boyfriend after another and becomes convinced it is Pirette's revenge on her. Oh my god. No, Becky, you've just got an unpleasant personality. No, Becky, it's because you tell every guy you bring over about Pirette's curse. <laughs> and then they just go, yeah, I'm gonna go 
No pity for Paula. Crippled Paula Travis is being forced to beg for her cruel relatives, who are very mm -hmm. far from poverty-stricken. Gosh. That's so like beggars. They're all whatever. They're all being forced to beg by their cruel, rich, adoptive parents. <laughs> Whoa. Revenge. Allison blames her sister Emma for her injured leg because Emma innocently asked Allison to switch places with her in the car moments before it crashed. So Allison secretly causes trouble for Emma. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's bitter. That's... <laughs> Although, why does one just go... Oh no, you switch places. I, 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 can we switch places in the car real quick? I just, you know. I just feel like, you know, we should. School of Secrets. Sarah Briggs goes to Offshore Island, a school for children from broken homes. <laughs> it's filled with every character from every single one of these comics. <laughs> It is run by the sinister Miss Macy, and Mr. Briggs is giving Miss Macy the money for it. But Sarah is getting suspicious as the pupils behave very strangely. They march like puppets and emerge from accidents without a flinch or hint of pain. Then Sarah discovers that Miss Macy has a very strange treatment for her pupils and has a, quote, great plan, mm. unquote. Mm. Seal girl. Jake and Ruby Walters run a successful show with performing seals. When they visit a remote island in Scotland, they find a girl who has been raised by seals. Oh! They call her Shona. I guess they just fucking kidnap her. It doesn't say that, but they just fucking... Well, I mean, seals can't hold a legal claim over children. Yeah, I guess. They call her Shona, pass her off as their niece, and incorporate her into their show, planning to make a fortune. But Shona begins to learn human ways too fast, which threatens their plans. Oh no, we've accidentally <laughs> civilized her. Oh no, we need to keep her wild and cool. And Cherry, the other girl in the show, is jealous of Shona. Shona's like, Wait, I actually like eating cooked fish. This is good. Cherry's just like, mm, I've been eating raw fish for so long and they just keep ignoring me. <laughs> is Cherry another girl who pretends to be a seal? No, I think she's just a normal girl who happens to also do the seal show. For no particular reason. Second fiddle to Sorcha. Maxine Winters is a gifted but arrogant violinist. Then Sorcha, a mysterious gypsy girl, shows up. And Maxine gets jealous when she finds that Sorcha is a far better violinist than her. And then she has Sorcha deported. Mm-hmm. Good. Slave to love. God damn it! Gail Summers gets a crush on a boy named Justin. Justin has a horrible, lazy sister, Andrea, who decides to take advantage of Gail's crush. She makes a deal to get Gail and Justin together if Gail becomes her slave for a month can and she, a day. Can she not simply talk to Justin? No. Impossible. Okay. You, can't, you can't just talk to a guy. Oh my god. <laughs> so I can't believe I have to be a terrible slave and live an impoverished life. And it's like, can she just talk to him? Oh my god, I can't just talk to him. Sleeping Beauty from the Stars banished to the penal planet Putrid because of her mischievous ways. An alien beauty queen instead lands on Earth and is awakened from deep sleep by a kiss. She becomes a model, Stella, Sa Stella Saturn. But danger looms when her home planet, Xerox, <laughs> discovers her whereabouts. God. And they quickly make a copy of her. <laughs> 
Oh shit, I didn't name the planet. Uh, uh. Okay, there's a machine. Okay. <laughs> Soap suds. Sally Gibson is exasperated with her relatives who copy everything they see on a TV soap to ridiculous lengths. Oh. Of course. Space Dog U2. Robot Dog U2 escapes from a starship during an exploration of Earth. He takes a liking to an Earth girl and ignores the starship orders to return. Well. So I see where uh, Lilo and Stitch stole their idea. <laughs> that girl's me, and that's my girl. <laughs> Wait. Next to each other. <laughs> uh. Oh, the bird of happiness but birds can only bring conflict. Mm. Unless you blow, blow the whistle, I guess. Oh my god, there's so many double lives. Oh wow. The double life of Delia, the double life of Dolly Brown, the double life of Julie Ellen, the double life of Ringo, the double life of... Yeah, Ringo's who's, Ringo who's a dog, by the yeah. way. Ringo's a dog. <laughs> Wait, uh... He's caught between Sarah Rochester, the girl who looks after him, and Tracy Morgan, who also needs him. Because, because Tracy Morgan is not lucid enough to do his comedy routine, <laughs> so he needs a dog to help. I need that dog, Ringo. The double life of sad Sarah. Oh. Wait. Debbie Walter's father gets commissioned to draw a picture story, Sad Sarah, about a girl who patiently endures ill treatment from cruel relatives rather than worry her sick mother. Unknown to Mr. Walters, Sarah can come to life and is not as nice as her story counterpart, as she keeps making trouble for oh Debbie. Oh my god, how is it that in an effort to do, like, to do, like, parody of their own genre, they ma they just managed to create a subgenre that is identically, yes. like, maudlin and weird. It's so... There's just so much misery. <laughs> Emotional torture porn. The Lonely Pony! <laughs> Kath Watson is allowed to rent Camilla Baxter Smythe's paddock for her horse, Bran Tub, because Camilla's horse, Desert Sands, is lonely and needs company. Kath does not get on so well with Camilla because she is a snob, but things begin to change as the girls train for sh show jumping. Many faces of Moppet, the many faces of Morna, the mask. Oh, Wait, the mask, featuring Jim Carrey. Dorinda. Oh no, it's another Dorinda. It's another Dorinda. Was that a name? Yeah, Dorinda. Yeah, Dorinda Barrel. Uh, and like, there's just so many. If, if you're a girl with a certain name at a certain time, you're mm. just destined... You're just destined to have nothing but misery. The secret of Marlon's music box. Hmm. Marlon Taylor is being looked after by her Aunt Madge and Uncle Wilf, who are cruel to her. She takes solace in her music box, which is magical. As Marion is the 13th girl to own it, she can travel back in time to meet the previous owners of the box. <laughs> None of the other owners got to do that. <laughs> Only the 13th. I really like the idea that the first person who gets it is just like, oh, it's a music box. I guess I feel like I expected more. Oh, it's got, it's got the name Emma sewn into it. <laughs> the slave girls. God damn it. It's not even the one you pointed at. <laughs> the slave girls. In order to earn extra money, Suzanne and Sandy Miller 
advertise themselves as slave girls, complete with Roman costumes. Oh my god! Who work for a small payment. Each job always seems to give the girls some additional problem to solve. Giles English owned this one. <laughs> Giles English pu- like like pasted this to his wall. <laughs> Ooh, Roman slavery. I'll put this up next to my fresco. <laughs> they call it agrobatics. What? No, they don't. The Cluffs and the Martins are feuding families. The daughters from each family are compelled to work with each other at their acrobatics class, then find they work well together. But can they work equally well to end the family feud? They don't call it agrobatics. They must stay together. (laughs) When her friend's parents split, Debbie fears the same may happen to her parents, so she tries to find them more interest to share. But the task of finding a common interest is leading into scrapes. Oh no! Not scrapes! I'm having so many scrapes! <laughs> Too many mums! Julia Casson's divorced parents return from overseas having remarried. This leave Julie, leaves Julia with three mums. Her mother, her new stepmother, and Auntie Joyce. Each mum has a different idea on what's best for Julie, such as which school she is to attend. This causes a lot of quarreling, and Julie is caught in the middle. Well, I feel like you should simply just send her to three different schools (laughs) so she can have a secret life in two of them and be hated by everybody in one of them. And one of them, she should be treated like a slave. And also there's a haunted doll. Oh my god, there's a lot of Wendy's here. Wendy will be married! Wendy out west! Wendy won't win! Wendy's web! <laughs> oh no! Hmm? When Susie sneezes, uh... a weird old lady passes on a strange power to Susie Green. God, gross. When Susie sneezes, whatever wish she makes at the time comes true. I wish I was turned on by sneezing. <laughs> but this causes problems because Snoozy sneezes a great deal as she has so many allergies. And Ooh, the heat of... oh. I love allergy sneezes. And the heat of the moment has her wishing things she doesn't mean. Who is Judy Parker? Judy Parker senses senses that the cruel matron of the Towers Orphanage, Ms. Kent, knows something about her mysterious past. It soon becomes apparent that Judy is facing some kind of danger as well. (gasps) Uh, And last one here. Um, your pick. Hmm. You little monkey. Oh, boy. Jenny's brother Rex turns into a monkey, and she spends her time trying to hide this from her parents. All of her free time is spent hiding the fact that her brother's a monk. How did they not? How did they not know? She spends all her time. I don't think you understand. But she wants to do ballet. They gave oh no, and and possibly and possibly gymnastics. Mm-hmm. But she can't because she's too busy dressing up her monkey brother. And and sometimes replacing him with a cursed doll. Yes. Oh. So extra credit. What did we learn today? Ah, that I can go and look at this picture of Biff of the Bear anytime I want. 
Click. <laughs> Ew. I, I hate him. Oh, he's so bad. Did they do this intentionally? Like, he doesn't look like that in the other pictures. I mean, I think this is a laughter reaction from a comic. Terrifying. I th- I mean, I, I definitely think the Wikipedia ed- editor mm. picked this picture deliberately. Absolutely. I learned that, I guess... Like, I, I don't believe people wrote this. There were some very, very small typos, but not very many. And I think it was like... I think that apparently Wikipedia editors just have this list of stuff that they scanned in and did, like, PDF to text or something. That's something I learned, I guess. I guess, yeah. I already kind of knew about the British comic system. Or I'd say I learned about that weird ecosystem. Yeah, I didn't. So I guess I learned that. <laughs> I learned that Mandy and Julie and Bunty and Nikki all like kind of collapsed into each other over time. Um, plus, I also learned that I guess boys, whereas where you know boys got things like action, dragons claws. Escape. <laughs> Poot. <laughs> Prehistoric peeps. Swift tiger. Warlord. God. Yeah, girls get Bunty. Tammy. Judy. Sparky. June. June. Pippin. Oh, there's something here called Cracker. I'm kind of... <laughs> girl. <laughs> Is there one just called... There's one just called Girl. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. oh, Misty. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, Core! That's probably for boys. Core is probably for boys. Uh, school fun. School friend. <laughs> Roy of the Rovers. Roy of the Road Rovers. Oh, there's Toxic! And then, ten years later, they revived it as Toxic. Without <laughs> the exclamation point. No exclamation point. Yeah. Uh, Nikki, Nipper, Nutty, Oink. God. Hoot. Jack and Jill. Jackie. Jinty. Judy. June. <laughs> like, did they have specialties? Cause the champion! <laughs> Mandy feel, felt a little bit weirder than Bunty, but I can't say that with any certainty. Like, was it like, oh, if you if you really like the haunted doll stuff, the good haunted doll stuff is in Judy, but if you're more of a ballet girl, you want to head over to Nick. But if you're all about the, if you're all about those, those wastrels who have to keep their father's businesses <laughs> afloat, then, uh, it's Bunty all the way. <laughs> there must have been, I'm just imagining schoolyard fights over, like, because one of them only got Bunty. And one of them only got Nikki, and so they both like Bunty's clearly better. I don't even want to read your stupid Nikki. Nobody ever talks about Jane. Shut up. <laughs> oh God. Jesus. Weird. T h e f m i n dot u s. <laughs> uh, we don't have comics, although maybe we will be absorbed by Bunty, <laughs> or Mandy, yeah. or Eagle. Yeah, watch this quicker. We will get absorbed by Eagle. Like it's a problem. <laughs> I'm coming. I just finished eating Death's Head. 
in Commando Comics. Oh, Commando Comics is current. Oh my. Belinda, Belinda Gibson is being bullied at a boarding school. On the brink of running away, she chooses to stay and secretly care for a set of orphan badgers. Aww. That's not the first time we've encountered a girl who takes care of badgers. No, because they see badgers more there. I guess that's true. They're like raccoons. And boys. Go on, hate me. Okay. Hetty Blake loves <laughs> athletics, especially running. When she and her friend Carol are picked for a relay at their athletics club, she starts training hard and pushes Carol to do the same. Carol ends up collapsing and is rushed to hospital, where she reveals that she has a heart condition that she had not told Hetty about and does not have long to live. Before Carol dies, she makes Hetty promise to win the relay and look at her, and look after her younger sister Joe. Unfortunately, Joe overhears the guilt-stricken Hetty blaming herself and causes Hetty to become the victim of a hate campaign when she starts spreading the word around that Hetty caused Carol's death by driving Carol too hard. Worse, Hetty is stuck looking after Joe and Joe is adamant about staying so she can make Hetty's life miserable. Okay. You all hate each other. Yeah, but, I mean, Hetty doesn't actually hate Joe because no. she agreed to take Joe on after... Uh, oh my god, I'm dizzy. 